welcome to the Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I am Aaron. And today we're here to talk about season four, episode one, titled Smoke, where there's smoke, there's a dead Chuck. There's a podcast. There's an asphyxiated Chuck. Uh, I feel like I made two two jokes about dead Chuck. Chuck roast. At the beginning of this and the instant cast. I feel bad. Hashtag Chuck roast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's the... How, what, are, what are the long-lasting effects of uh, smoking a Charles McGill? Uh, it's, is it, uh, it going to lead to mesotheliomyoma? You know the mesothelioma. Yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah. My mush mouth. It's one of the effects of uh, chuck inhalation. You <laughs> right. Get tongue-tied and inability Dry to mouth. pronounce that uh, cotton mouth. From... Yeah. Yeah. I can't can't pr- pronounce the complex medical terms. Uh, what do you think of this episode, Smoke? I mean, it was it was a lot. It was it was it was a good reintroduction into the world of Better Call Saul, and oh. I was a lot of times left cold by the pacing of last season, especially mm-hmm. early on. And I think I you know I didn't make any uh, I, I didn't try, attempt to hide that uh, borderline frustration. I felt like you know, and I, I kind of started like when it became clear that the last. Uh, like 15 minutes of the episode is going to be largely Mike just dicking around that madrigal. I'm like, oh boy. But I don't know. <laughs> For some reason, I feel like there is a little bit. Sh- maybe it's because, you know, the Vince and Peter know exactly how much time they have left to spend on the show, but everything feels a little bit more crisper and focused. And it could hmm. be. I mean, I just to throw all my biases out there. It could be my awareness of knowing that they know it's the end is just yeah. altering my perception. So I'm not really trying to talk shit about the villa gang and the ghouls because they are superior storytellers i'm just saying that i felt like you know there was there was more of a point and a, more of an immediacy and i feel like that that you are really starting to see in real time the transformation of of jimmy into saul mm-hmm. so i i really enjoyed it as a as a primer and return back to this world you uh I i understand like i shared many of the complaints of the pacing of last season um and a lot of it came down to those very extended, what I felt like uh, were a little over the top uh, scenes with Mike, where right. you know he'd be dismantling his car for a good ten minutes of the episode. Right. And did you need to make that ten minutes? Could you have made it five and gotten the same effect? Maybe. And so some of those things I started to become impatient with. However, this episode I really enjoyed, and I don't know whether that's because this is not substantially different in pacing, right? It, if I'm looking at it objectively from last season, what they did early on. Right. Um, but I ended up enjoying it, I think, more than I did the, those previous ones. And maybe I've just been jonesing because it's been a long time since we've had Better Call Saul in the air. You yeah. know, it's a little bit longer than usual, three months or so. Uh, maybe I'm just jonesing for more Saul. And, yeah, and, and, and so I'm willing to, to put up with it. And also is a super entertaining Yes. Uh, excursion with mike right in this episode yeah just watching him you know it's one thing if he just solo just out in the desert hanging up a shoe and you know doing like what the hell he's drilling holes in the hose for five minutes with the grandchild or going piece by piece through his car right yeah right but when he's like you know essentially running low-level uh social engineering scams on Mm -hmm. a building full of morons it's pretty it's 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 pretty entertaining and i do think that like if you, I know everyone, a lot of people don't like it when you compare it to the shows, but you can't help but compare it to Breaking Bad. And you think about like 
the first three seasons of Breaking Bad, how many people died, how many people went through profound physical and mental changes. You know, uh, Hank was paralyzed for a certain amount of time. He had to deal with this mm -hmm. trauma, trauma of seeing someone explode. And, like, I feel like we had our first big exclamation point with Chuck burning himself to death. Yeah. Like, that is a legit change to the landscape that doesn't involve like just a minor setback to Jimmy's finances or a spat between him and Kim mm -hmm. or like, this is like a fundamental uh, change in the show's dynamic going forward. And it's, like it's the, exciting. Yeah. It's like the Jane moment. Uh, if I had to, if I had to compare it to something, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, from breaking bad, I think this is the moment that Jane died right. and how that's going to affect Jesse is profound. How this is going to affect Jimmy, I think is profound and it's not in the way we expect well, just a like, human to react. Yeah. And think about how, how profoundly you're talking about the, the effect of Jane's death had on Jesse like that manifested itself in many different ways yeah. like he was uh, inconsolable he was self-destructive he was false tough guy macho he was mm -hmm. uncaring it's all about the cash who gives a shit like I think that there's a temptation to be like, oh, he's he's chuckling uh, and whistling and feeding fish at the end of the episode. Saul, baby. <laughs> uh, I think uh -huh. because cause like this first this first scene that we get uh, after the cold open where we have this like lovely image of the embers from Chuck's fire landing. And you see, I think it's it's if, if I was a showrunner and I want to set a thesis for my season in 30 seconds. I would see, show these embers landing on all of Kim's case files, implying that the F, the the, re, the ripples of this uh, act are going to mm -hmm. consume her career, and then they land on you know their bed as as Jimmy and Kim are sit there peacefully, kind of uh, spooning, mm -hmm. uh, like that. Like that. This is a fire that's going to spread and and engulf both of them and really transform their lives in, in negative ways could just be a nice visual flourish but i think they're trying to suggest they're trying to lay out the thesis and i think that that just promised to be more exciting even and more exciting than even getting gus and, and and tuco and and the the cousins back into it because like these are main characters that are going to be struggling with stuff yeah. uh and i again i think that's that's really exciting that's you know walt would be talking about the chemical change the oxidization <laughs> the transformation of matter from one state to another and and you're starting right. to see that you're starting to see the chemistry really percolate on the show yeah, absolutely. So, enjoyable for me. Hey, want to do some housekeeping, and real quick, something for Better Call Saul fans, especially club members. Uh, if you didn't know, every Monday, as soon as we get done watching Better Call Saul, we take to the cameras and the microphones, we do a live uh, instant reaction show called the Instant Talk Podcast. And part of that is we do our 15, 20-minute instant take, but then we turn it over to our our audience. Uh, the club members can click through on baldmove.com, the article. You'll see it. It's, it'll post right when the show posts. Uh, you can click through a link and, and chat with us in real time. Uh, we'll consider your questions and your comments, and we'll talk about it. It's fun. We did it first uh, last year or last season in Westworld, and we're bringing that technology to Better Call Saul. Uh, also, don't forget, we do a podcast on HBO Sharp Objects. We got three more episodes of that left. It's a really intense, dark, psychological thriller along the lines of like uh, like a female Midwestern version of the uh, True Detective Southern Gothic season one. Uh, also, this week, we'll be doing first-round bald movies, Black Klansman, the latest Spike Lee joint. Uh, we're also 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesdays and Thursdays playing video games at twitch.tv slash baldmove. If you want to see Jim and I hanging out playing video games and shoot the shit with us, feel free. That's open to everyone. Uh, we got a new quip, Quit Your Pitching, dropping this Wednesday. 
Uh, so that's kind of fun. That'll be exciting. And finally, there is not even 24 hours left to get in on my book Kickstarter, uh, book.baldmove.com. We just hit our first stretch goal, so we'll get you'll get double the book for your money. Uh, and if you want to see more about that, there's a book I wrote on the religions of Westeros with a religious scholar. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I think you guys will enjoy the information. Check it out at book.baldmove.com if you want to get some of those exclusive Kickstarter rewards and help us stretch to those final goals. Are we ready to talk about the episode? Yes, please. Okay. We start off with Gene being scraped off the floor of the Cinnabon, and he's taken to the hospital where the doctors clear him and send him home. But on his way out, he gets nervous when his fake ID information isn't going through. Uh, it turns out to be a typo, so he gets to he gets to leave in his taxi. But the man in the taxi is acting really weird. Uh, Gene gets spooked, and he decides to just get out in the snow on a random street. And he's he's breathing heavy. He looks like he's about to have another panic attack or whatever he had, and just fall over again. Yeah, um, there's a couple there's a couple things I liked about the scene. I liked how his face got schlacked sh- 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 with uh, the, yeah, the the cinnabonges. Yeah, uh, I thought that was like that's got to be intentionally funny visual image. This man just uh-huh. the face is frosted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the spatula he's using to spread it or whatever. Yeah, is just stuck to his face. It's yeah. good. Yeah. The medics have to remove it. There's uh, a lot of like interesting uh, tension-building devices they use here, obviously, with the uh, computer keep kicking his information back with the nurse. That's the first thing. And how like mm-hmm. just how baseline maddening that is when everyone's been in a situation where... Like, we just had that coming back from Philadelphia. This, mm-hmm. like, we, because of tra- traffic and all this stuff, we were, like, had five minutes to catch a train... And this train attendant who was trying to help us get this goddamn United special deal, this train is a fake airplane kind of bullshit ticket worked out. Just just having a time of her life. Like, I felt like, you know, no sense right. of urgency. Just yeah. like, oh, you know, whatever. And, like, me and Jim are sweating bullets. Imagine that. Except <laughs> As the you, train says, boarding. Right, boarding. Or last call for, and, like, you know, and if we miss that train, then, like, we're not going to. And, like, that's pretty low stakes compared to, oh, shit, someone might make my fake ID and come and kill me. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's great. This, this well-meaning oblivious idiot, uh, trying to like small talk and put Jimmy at ease, which is making him. And then the whole stuff with the, the taxi cab driver. And I've thought about this more and I think, and I read an interview, um, with, uh, with the Villigan where they talk about this Cottonwood mall because my ears perked up the second time I listened to him. Like, oh, this is interesting because after he had this, like, panic attack slash heart attack, he's still going to go back to the Cinnabon and probably close things up, take out the trash, do all the things he has to do as a manager, right? But someone, I guess, had found out that, like, Cottonwood was the name of the fake mall that they had in Albuquerque? Uh, Something like that, yeah. But it's also the name of an actual mall in in, in Nebraska because I guess uh, like Nebraska State tree is the cottonwood, so like it works as huh. kind of like you know the fact that like this guy like the cab driver's from Albuquerque let's say mm-hmm. that there's a little bit of like don't do I recognize this guy from somewhere from his stupid billboards and his late night TV cottonwood mall isn't that kind of a funny coincidence that they're both like there's a lot of things that could be running through this taxi driver's mind. Um, do you, do you think that yeah I, well i think i don't think cottonwood is the thing that does it there it's the hanging a- abq of isotopes well that does it for jimmy but i'm saying what what is the what's the no but the that tells us damage? that tells us as an audience member that he might recognize the right, face a little bit right 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 yeah we don't right. need the cottonwood to make that connection and right. in fact if you look at 
older other scenes from Gene's uh, other parts of Gene's scenes. You can see in the back there's a sign that says Cottonwood Mall. That's definitely where he works at the Cinnabon. Yeah. So, like, I don't think they're trying to make those kinds of connections. I think the ABQ isotopes thing does it all by itself. Yeah, I mean, like, if the 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 guy with the white man afro from the Keller and Keller commercials got into the back of my seat and I'm an Uber driver, yeah. he just has a handlebar mustache. Uh huh. Aren't you? I, I mean, I don't know that I actually say it, but I'd, I'd be like, man, that guy looks just like the Keller and Keller guy, the handlebar mustache. Like, I, I get it. Yeah. And, but there's also like, I you know, there's. I'm I'm wondering if the start of season five will be Gene, you know, uh, he's walking away from his taxi driver and the guy's like, hey, stop. And like, there's this prolonged scene of him chasing Gene down. He's just trying to give him back like right. change or his ID a, that fell out of his, his ID yeah. or a receipt or uh-huh. like whatever. Like it, this is but this illustrates the hell that that Jimmy slash Saul slash Gene have found themselves in that. Right. They've escaped, but their life like like they're in a prison of their own making. And that's the thing. I, I wonder, these scenes always make me wonder, what is going to happen with Gene? Because the doctor clears him. You know, he's in good health. It's, right. Except for the it's high not high blood like, pressure. Yeah, which he doesn't seem, it doesn't seem overly high. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. the doctor's not like, oh, yeah. dude, we need to get you on your, some Your diet. arteries are about to explode like yeah. a worn out tire. No. So he, he's in good health, but he's incredibly paranoid. And this is not a good way to live, like you said. Uh, I just... It's hard to imagine, if you look at the way Breaking Bad ended for the main character, mm-hmm. how this will end well for Saul. Right. Uh, I, I feel like Saul is either going to get caught, or or maybe he just lives out a sad existence, right? Yeah. Like, an existence that Mike would be gleeful in <laughs> Yeah, right. would be hell for Saul. Yeah. So maybe he's just stuck inside, drinking his... his uh, what is it? Lemon juice and... Whatever I forget his, the name of that drink. His, his New Mexico donkey <laughs> yes <laughs> but i thought it's good i was i mm-hmm. did get briefly excited as the scene you know like kept on i don't want to say drag on but as it kept on extending like i'm like you know man are we going to get an actual are we going to get an actual uh uh you know all gene episode or, or something like that right it was a long one yeah which was nice uh we also find out that gene's last name is takovic takovic yeah which i don't think we knew up till this point mm-hmm that's not, I wasn't that's not that. an Irish name. No. No, he's gone the other direction with <laughs> Some it. Some kind of Slavic, I'm uh-huh. uh, Slavic, I'm guessing. Yeah. So that was good info. Uh then Jimmy wakes up. This is present day or whatever the fuck present day qualifies. Right. The main chunk of the timeline of this show. Two, yeah. I don't know. He's with Kim. How about that? In bed. Uh he wakes up, he begins his job hunt, and then Hamlet calls to tell him what happened to Chuck. Uh Jimmy rushes over to see the burned house, and after talking with the fire chief Kim tells Chuck, oh, he, he didn't suffer. Jimmy's like, yeah, they'll, they'll always say that. Yeah, they'll never come up to you and say, oh, yeah, he, he had a real oh, bad he, there at he, the end. You know, the Salem rich, witch trials where they burn people alive screaming. <laughs> right. It's kind of like that. The fire didn't get him. The smoke got him. But it's more painful, actually, yeah. than the fire itself. Yeah. And I guess that's like, I guess that's literally true that you will more often yeah. cons- die from the actual asphyxiation than being burnt to death. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you won't. Fully experienced burning to death for 60 to 90 seconds before it happens. Yeah. And just with the proximity of Chuck to the source of the fire, it seems like it was a pretty bad way to go. Yeah, he probably got a little of both. But also a way that like, he it's almost like a Tibetan monk protesting uh-huh. occupation. Like, he had to sit there in the fire 
and will will and then will himself to remain where he was because at any time he could have gotten up and and left at least in the, yeah. the initial stages of it. So I mean, Howard's Howard's not wrong when he says that Chuck is strong. Right. It's just that Chuck focuses his strength in weird ways yeah. sometimes. Yeah, graduating high school at fourteen, uh-huh. uh, burning alive. Yep. Was, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 not good. Uh, and so Jimmy takes notice that all of Chuck's electrical equipment is in the backyard, leading him to believe that he had another EHS attack before he died and wondered what could have caused it. Uh, really like the music here. The like as we as we see dissolve the Jimmy after he sees the coroner wagon pulling away. That he's sitting there on the park bench looking at that skeleton of the house and that the the mournful horns are playing. Really like that. Um, I uh, I also man. I really, I really like um, that he that like that from this point in the episode until the very end, Jimmy is in a profound depression, which mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen him at this state. Like he's definitely had pity parties. He's definitely felt put upon and shit on. He's definitely felt abused by the unwashed assholes of the world. But like this kind of like long lasting, inescapable funk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting just to note w- how and why he gets out of it by the end of the episode. Um, did yeah. you happen to look at any of the things that he was circling on the want ads? The want ads, yeah. I looked at a few, um, couple sales jobs for like cell phones and copiers. Right. It's a computer services job. There's a kid store and playhouse receptionist. Yeah, that which, seems like a poor fit for him. Yeah, he's kind of smiling when he's circling that one. Like, oh, this will be a chuckle. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be good to get fired from in about three weeks uh-huh. after I say the wrong thing to the wrong mother. <laughs> right. Uh, I also like I, I something I got from the Heisenberg Chronicles that uh, our buddy Shane runs is uh, one of the ads right next to the ad that he circled was for the laser base laser tag facility uh, nice. that later becomes a potential money laundering mm-hmm. uh, a scheme propound uh, put forward by by Saul that uh, of course Skylar White nixes in favor for they one car wash but uh, mm-hmm. yeah I thought that was a, that was a nice little touch you know they didn't have to do that. Yeah, uh, it seems like they look for ways to make the universe cooler and more self, in, uh, you know, have that, that self-referential integrity. Yeah, I didn't even notice that because I was looking at the circled ones. Sure, uh, right. So I'm, it's just a, an extra little Easter egg there. Exactly. And I, th- I, th- I thought to him the whole time he reading the paper, I was very tense because I'm thinking, yeah. you know, name partner of like the biggest law firm in the city, maybe the state. It's like a national reach and he, he, he burns alive in his own kind of mansion. And maybe that would make the front page of the local or like, and I, every time he turned the page, I kept on expecting him to hit. And then you find, you know, it, it's just a little interesting way to increase the tension throughout the, the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also see Jimmy staring at the electrical equipment outside of Chuck's mm-hmm, house, mm-hmm. just very similar to how Chuck did in the past when he was suffering from his EHS. Uh, you don't think that Jimmy's going to go suffer from a bout of EHS himself, do you? Like I a hope sympathetic not. I hope not. illness here? I mean, I, I hope not because that would make him, you know, have a, like... I don't know. I was about to say that'd make him mental. It'd make him have a mental illness, and then it's, you start getting into the unreliable narration and all. Like <laughs> I, I don't not. I don't not huh. enjoy that because like that's all about sharp objects, right? Mm-hmm. The Westworld plays with that. Leftovers plays with that. But like, I kind of want to be inside the P, a POV character. I, I'd, I'd just be like a zig for this show. I think. 
Yeah, the show doesn't do that. Right. And I don't know, is that a thing? Like, if you, because, like, it's one thing if you just convince yourself because of some, you know, like a bunch of coincidence happen, you get on the internet, and the internet says, oh, yeah, you're not crazy. You got EMS electromagnetic sensitivity but like jimmy has seen it from the other's perspective where like he's tested him he's seen it it's fake like if can can you convince yourself something's real after you've convinced yourself it's it's fake i mean just just from a real like a realism thing is that something that people do probably i don't know i mean they're they're probably like stories of religious deconversion and reconversion (laughs) Yeah, like, I, I've i heard of, like, atheists becoming Christians, and I've heard of Christians sure. becoming atheists, but I've never heard of a Christian that becomes an atheist that then becomes a Christian again. Yeah. Like, that seems like... I imagine it happens. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I mean, in the history of yeah. the universe, People's it's the number of times work. it's happened is not zero, for sure. Absolutely. But would it be compelling on Better Call Saul? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going that direction. Um, but it was interesting to see that. He's definitely... In my mind, like, yes, he's in this deep depression that you're talking about throughout mm-hmm. this episode, but he's also thinking. Mm. He's thinking very deeply about what could have caused this. And yeah. it's all set up in this scene when he goes, all the electrical equipment is out there. He had another attack. What caused it? Right, because he, he's racking his brain. And, and I think the thing Was that, it my fault? Was it right. Chuck's fault? Was it Howard's fault? Kim's fault? What was it? And the thing I think that both Howard and Jimmy don't realize is how much of Chuck's recovery was spite yeah yeah absolutely he is faking it to put the screws to jimmy to put the screws to the law firm Mm -hmm. and once those leg that leg the screws to the insurance company yeah everything once those legs of spite were kicked out from underneath him then he just you know he's he's made a fool of himself in front of his colleagues and peers in front of his ex-wife who he really cared about and yeah you know like, I think burning himself was spite because he knew exactly, like, if you look on his face as he's kicking that lantern, that's the thing of, like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to, sh-. it's like Ralphie in a Christmas story. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. show them, I'm going to go blind from soap consumption, and then they'll be sorry. It's, it's you know, right. I, I think there's, I think that, that that's, yeah, pretty, pretty dark, but I think that's the place Chuck was in. Mm-hmm. All right, we move on to Mike's last day as the gatekeeper at the parking lot. It's over. Uh, he volunteers to take care of Kaylee since he can make his own hours now. And when he gets home, he's pleased to see that he has a large check uh, large check from Madrigal waiting for him. However, he gets antsy and decides to find the nearest Madrigal facility. We don't know what for yet, but we find out yeah. soon enough. Uh, I, I, love, <laughs> I love this moment where they make him give the windbreaker back. Right. And Mike doesn't put up a stink. Mike gets it. You right. know, it's like, this is a slap in my face. Mm-hmm. I'm done with this job. I don't care. Of course, this guy's so petty that he wants his stupid windbreaker back. Fine. Take it. I don't care. Right. He's going to go to Sam's Club and buy a knockoff North Face that he's going to wear the rest of the episode. Uh Like, like that's kind of like, you know, Mike's uniform anyway. So you got to get you got to get rid of the the security windbreaker. Mm -hmm. But yeah, also, man, if your boss wants you to get, uh, you know, if you're not a manager and your boss wants you to recover company property from another employee on their last day, they need to come down to the fucking booth and do it. Yeah, that's like, a manager's th- job. That's what the guy should have been like, oh, am I a manager now? I need manager pay because if I'm not getting manager pay, then I'm not going to do manager jobs. Uh-huh. Like, not that Mike would, like, bust his face in for it, but, like, come on. That's, that's, 
That's what you pay HR folks and management types to do. That's mm-hmm. the uncomfortable human interactions that j- largely justify their pay, right? Yeah. So fuck that guy. <laughs> I, fuck I also his manager. think Mike probably knows that having that jacket out there might be some kind of minor security risk. Oh yeah, sure. Like if you can, imp- it, it makes it much easier to impersonate a parking a, lot. It's a it, attendant. Yep, yep, and it's a threat also for him. So it's a like, thread sure. that people can pull if they just see him on the street. It's something that mm-hmm. you know makes him memorable. Oh, he had that uh, jacket right. from that yeah. security company on. Yeah. So it it makes sense. I'm just saying it's it's shitty management, <laughs> it which is. there's no shortage of in this world. The other thing I love is the scene where he's volunteering to take care of Kaylee. Uh, they repurpose the hose, and they, they overtly mention this. I, I noticed it like almost immediately. There's it starts on the shot of the hose mm-hmm. with the water spraying, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, that must be the same hose." Mm-hmm. But then, it, what's her face? Right. She, I can't remember Stacey. her name. Stacy just flat out says, "Oh, is that the hose that you guys made?" Yeah, it's interesting that he's just like uh, he's a very waste not want not kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna go and and deconvert this from a, a, a stop strip into a, a soaker hose. Yeah, um, Madrigal pay ten thousand dollars in Albuquerque, New Mexico, ten to fifteen years ago after taxes. Yeah, a guy like Mike lived pretty high on the hog. Now the whole like because I, I was fuzzy on like what all this like this this is an effort to launder the money. Mm-hmm. That he stole from Hector to, uh, to to give back to that one civilian's widow that got caught up in the the deal gone wrong and shot and left out in the desert. So yeah, Mike's paying himself here. Madrigal's not giving him a dime. Right, he's actually giving them money. Right. So uh, I think was, so we we had a lot of open questions about what Mike's trying to do at the end of the episode. I thought maybe we'd entertain right now. Mm-hmm. Why? Is is uh, let's let's talk about some potential reasons why Mike decides to put on the hard hat and the reflective vest and and go give Madrigal a security enema. One, he feels it's his duty because he's making a bunch of his own money. Right. <laughs> that seems weird because they're not really paying him. Maybe he wants to make more money too because, like you know, uh, I I want to be able like I, I want to help this person out, but I also want to help myself and Kate and Kaylee and Stacy out too. Mm-hmm. There's also a one that I thought of that, um, like I said, he wants to see what dirt is underneath Gus's finger. But but more than that, he wants to see how careful an operation. Mm-hmm. Because if they're running their operation sloppy, it's be- better chances for them to get an IRS audit, better chances for them to get into law enforcement trouble. So he's trying to like seal these leaks for his for his own benefit. Yeah. Um, so he's justifying, like you know, his actual role and maybe angling for a raise or a bigger part of the organization. He's trying to make sure that uh, everything is like on the up and up as far as their security practices. Is there any other? Is he's he's bored? I mean, I, th- I think a little <laughs> bit of it. Yeah, maybe maybe he's bored. He wants to flex those skills. Yeah, uh, I do. I do think he wouldn't do what he does unless he enjoyed it at least a little bit. Right, right. Uh, it's cool, though, to see that this is kind of the beginning of what we know turns into a semi-adversarial relationship with Lydia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not all roses between them when he shows up to her house to kill her, right? Yeah, it says, trust me, this woman deserves death as much as any man. Like, yeah. they have a history. Uh-huh. They, have, they have a history. So it, this is kind of cool because you could see, like, her getting angry about this person just coming in and trying to run the operation, right. maybe. Uh, Mike doing it for essentially the right reasons, to protect himself, protect Kaylee, protect mm-hmm. everyone involved. Right. Uh, and Lydia may be resenting that. 
Well, and there's also like, you know, this is Mike's philosophy. Like there's all kinds of criminals. There's all kinds of, you know, quote unquote, good people. You can be a good person on the wrong side of law. You can be a bad person on the right side of law. I think he thinks that Lydia is a bad person on the bad side of the law. Yeah. Um, also, in a little minor note, because we, it's funny that we're debating about the isotopes. And, like, I thought that they're a minor league team. But, like, Mike is actually watching an isotopes game while he's pouring over his pay stub. So nice. <laughs> is right there, right there in the episode. Yeah. Uh, all right. Then we move on to Hamlin calling Jimmy to run Chuck's obituary by him. Uh, it's extremely long-winded with all of his various awards and achievements. And halfway through, Jimmy puts the phone down. Kim picks it up, and she approves the obituary. And then she tries to soothe Jimmy with some shots of fancy booze, but only succeeds in drinking herself to sleep while Jimmy stays up all night thinking. Uh, I, 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 I noticed that Hamlin doesn't really need to look at notes for this obituary. He I noticed that, too. has this memorized. Right. He's gone over it many many times right right and it's very late at night you can see that he's been in the office for a long time this this strikes me as so hamlin yeah no he's almost giving a speech right it's it's weird yeah and i think that's i was trying to think like what exactly causes the jimmy to disconnect from the process is it the fact that Halfway through, it turns into uh, an advert for HHM. Uh-huh. Uh, is it the fact that um, the realization that he, as important of a role that he's played in his brother's life the last few years, like helping him with his EMS and all that, and uh, their shared family history, that he is but a minor footnote. Mm. You know, he is just the answer. Now, I don't think that's unreasonable because, like, most, mo- most obituaries are like that it's more about the person who died and then who survived them than it is about oh also this person's successful lawyer um or is it just that he's in a fog and he doesn't care like exactly him him and him and chuck were done yeah and it's like what a fucked up situation that like you have a problematic relationship with a friend or colleague or whatever and you're like you know what fuck you fuck me i'm out of (laughs) here and they die the next day (laughs) it's rough uh like how do you like like (laughs) <laughs> it's especially rough on Hamlin. Yeah. He takes it the hardest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, Jimmy, I think you're right. I think he doesn't care in this moment. And that's very Jimmy. That Jimmy is looking at how this is, how this affects him in a weird way, right? Yeah. Like, he's trying to figure out if he caused the problem that led to Chuck's death. And there's a version of this that could have brought him and, and Howard closer together because they both yeah. realized that, like, if Chuck was just not a giant asshole, none of this would happen because Howard did not want to force Chuck no. out. No. Howard wanted Chuck to realize the damage he's doing to the firm mm-hmm. and like to be reasonable about things. And he just were in same way with Jimmy. Like Jimmy just wanted you to him to stop being a bully and stop interfering in my life. Stop interfering by extension, my girlfriend's life. Yeah. Um, show like like acknowledge that i have worth as a person that i'm not the same kid that i grew up with maybe that you've had me wrong your whole life Mm -hmm. um but instead it looks like it's going to be a wedge that drives him even further apart yeah that seems like it yeah or maybe i maybe howard and kim are going to team up to figure out what the fuck is wrong with jimmy (laughs) yeah i don't know because i i can't wait until we get to the end scene because i really want to talk about that but right oh you might have noticed in this scene yeah uh that Kim pulls out a bottle of booze mm-hmm. that we've seen before many times. Oh, yes. It's almost becoming too much of a thing in this show because yeah. they go; it's their go-to for yeah, booze, right. high-end booze. It's Zafiro Añejo. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the thing that, if you're familiar with Breaking Bad, and God, you should be by now, uh, the thing that kills Don Eladio, uh, it's 
what they it's the booze that they're drinking when they con they're taking that one guy for a ride is it kin i is it i think kin it's kin wins, wins. It might be kin yeah wins. i think it's that that time that might be because they wins stick the him guy, with the they, bill doesn't they fuck him like over a coin in the bar because there's a couple of times where Jim and Kimmy are running a scam on <laughs> right, d- right. dudes, and this is one of those. It was either that guy or the guy that Kim meets in the bar, and I can't yeah, remember which. shots. Yeah. Um, how much were you? remember when we in Philly we, like, ask as a joke how much that— 250 for the Louis Thirteenth shot. A yeah. shot of Louis the—what? Louis Thirteenth. $250. Yeah. Holy God. Very high-end brandy, I think. Uh, cognac? Yeah. I, I'm not Su- sure. Super high end. Too rich for my blood by far. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no. I also like in all because like I I listened to um, you know I listened to his uh, obituary and I was looking up things like you know like Georgetown's legal ranking and it's like 14th in the U.S. for school, so it's a pretty prestigious 14th. I would have thought higher. I know. Me too. I thought that'd be top 10. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of competition. You know, you mm-hmm. got NYU and. Chicago's got a really good law school. And all like you. So uh, I think that what was interesting out of all the stuff was that, and I didn't know this before, that he got a start in criminal law. It's interesting that his brother was like, I I guess I'm I'm sure a squeaky clean, straight edge, like upright criminal lawyer, and that his brother becomes a criminal lawyer. Hmm. Like it's an interesting duality for the the two. uh, two brothers that he started yeah. in criminal law so did jimmy jimmy then goes on elder care and all this other stuff but he ends up in in <laughs> italicized criminal law right uh so we move on to hector being carted off in an ambulance this picks up right where we left them last season mm-hmm. uh nacho tries to ditch the fake pills uh that he swapped but he's interrupted when gus gets a phone call from juan bolsa requesting to see nacho uh, Nacho's nervous, but when they meet, Juan simply wants to make sure that Hector's operation continues smoothly with him out of the picture. And after the meeting, Gus cautions Juan that the DEA may come sniffing around if war breaks out, which he thinks is inevitable. I love that. The whole, it's like Yoda with the dark side speech. It's uh-huh. that someone's going to move against the Salamancas, perhaps the Frings, uh-huh. which will bring war and chaos. And Yeah, the this, this is a beautiful la, thing. La, la, la the, yeah, they, they pronounce... Yeah, Dea. Just they don't even do the D-E-A. Uh-huh. They just Dea. Okay. Uh-huh. I also like how they pronounce chaos as cows. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know what you're... I didn't mean to cut you off, but like with the La, La Dea coming, mm-hmm. uh, it's there's no way we're getting Hank. I would not be surprised to see ASAC... I don't ASAC, think we can get Hank. No. I, I would not be surprised to see a, a, ASAC Merkert. Uh, okay. Pop up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I kind of want to see like their fishing trip. Uh huh. Like some of the fun raid. Like that would be kind of a fun little bit of fan service. Absolutely. Um. But, but, yeah. but this is the funny thing because like we know that the DEA eventually gets involved, and we've seen the takedown of Juan Bolsa, and we've seen yeah. that Gus is kind of the cause of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um. That Gus has been gunning for him. So this is when he warns him that the dea is coming it's because we know he's gonna he's gonna right. lead them right to Juan. of course of course uh and it's it's actually i'm super curious to see how that happens and i guess it's all of better call Saul, right like yeah we know what's gonna happen just how does it happen yeah and it's interesting because like i was wondering if nacho you know the way they're playing up this drugs and he's trying to like you know ditch the pills but he can't mm-hmm. uh it seems like that from the salamanca side he is not under any kind of suspicion at all yeah um but on the fring side of the the equation he's under a lot of suspicion what what will yeah. how will gus twist nacho for his best use 
that's the thing. We we follow Nacho to a bridge where he throws the pills off, and Victor has also followed him, mm-hmm. and he spies him doing it. Uh, he has a tracker on his car. I think, obviously, Gus was suspicious of Nacho. Now he knows for sure that he was involved. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing for Nacho. I think Gus is a reasonable person. And they're working at, at identical purposes. They both want they are. the Salamancas to not be ran by lunatics. And I think Gus would recognize how important Nacho's family is and how wrong what Hector was trying to do is. He would pay lip service to it anyway. Yeah, my point is I don't think he's going to kill Nacho. No, I, I or don't his think, dad. I, I think, honestly, he's probably going to like adopt Nacho. He's, yeah. he's going to turn him to the but it's dangerous because they have to don't they have to to keep that like they will yeah you know that can't be like obviously them working together because then the territory would not really be salamanca territory now i could see gus maybe using nacho yeah uh adopting nacho and then causing nacho to be the lead back to the to juan bolsa through the dea and like right Maybe taking him down that way. What if we'll see any of the other drug dealers? Like when when Walt, uh, you know, had his "Say My Name" moment in the desert. He's meeting with those goons. Uh, oh, right. Like maybe some of the neo, like I wonder Decker if we'll, or whatever. His yeah, name was. I wonder yeah. if we'll see like that or the neo Nazis kind of prowling around, and Nacho has to like put the smackdown on them. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, you're right. There is a, a perceived power vacuum now that Tuco's in prison and Hector's in the hospital, mm-hmm. and he ain't getting out anytime soon. So. I'm very interested to see how they you, we might have this low intensity drug war that Mike gets embroiled in doing Mike cool Mike stuff. Speaking of cool Mike stuff, um, this is where the episode gets weird for a second, and I uh-huh. go, "What are they showing me, and why do I care?" Uh, so there's a random guy who fixes his son's bike, and he's late for work because his car won't start. Uh, then we see that he actually works for Madrigal, and Mike has stolen his badge to do an impromptu security audit. And the manager isn't happy when he points out all the flaws, but Mike tells him, take it up with Lydia. Right. I, I know people. Mm-hmm. Reads the guy the riot act. Uh, I, here, here's the only the only pacing complaint I have uh-huh. with this episode, is I don't know why this guy has to fix his kid's bike to get to the meat of what we want. Is it because they're trying to show, oh, all, not, all the people who work for Magical aren't bad? It's just I, Lydia. I think that, and like Alan Sepinwall had a, 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 a line in his review that, made the point that by showing this guy as a careful, sober, uh-huh. uh, responsible, meticulous person, it elevates Mike in our eyes because Mike just doesn't take mm-hmm. advantage of sloppy, careless people. Mike is just that much more anal and prepared and, and careful than, than that guy is. Right. So also, I, I just kind of dig it. Like, I wouldn't want to see five minutes of this guy fixing the kid's bike, but, like, this made him memorable. So then when you see... Mike pull up to this guy in a temporary ID like yeah. it's it it makes that scene better by giving this other scene more time to breathe I think mm. okay. um, but I can also I see, can see I can see your point too uh, I, I do love the fact that he didn't even bother to modify the badge or anything. He didn't put his own picture just, on it. Yeah, he's just a bo- it's just a picture of a... And, and, and I thought, like, this is kind of a plot hole, but then he throws it in the guy's face. Like, I've got a yeah. obviously bogus badge. No <laughs> right. one ever... And he starts off like I like like he just goes and he grabs a coffee mug, pours himself some uh-huh. coffee, goes through the uh, through the, the Tyson versus Ali, or the, the donuts, Tyson, the Lee versus Ali. Yeah, he gets injects himself in the bait. That's another thing, uh, another motivation I saw on Reddit that I don't think we've talked about. That like Mike starts thinking, I'm a security consultant. What if someone starts poking around and trying to like? 
he's going and making a big splash. So if anyone ever questions his role as a security consultant, right. multiple people be like, oh, yeah, we know that guy. He's a fucking asshole. He came and reamed us all out, right. said that Ali would kick Bruce Lee's ass, uh, stole her donuts, <laughs> told uh, Tammy to reach for the stars. Got her middle management fired, and then I, yeah. I love that he actually signs the guy's name. <laughs> Very, yeah. Like that's so kind of him, right? Because yeah, right. If, if Tina looks at that and she's like, "Where the where the fuck is Barry's name?" Yeah, yeah, where yeah. The fuck? Barry didn't sign my card. That motherfucker. No, yeah, yeah. Barry. So he H, actually like helps the, the guy stars. out. It was pretty cool, and just like he's going through the pit, you know, go, he's doing a lot of stuff that you can see. One of the reasons that Gus was so hard to track down is that someone like Mike sweated those details. You can't yeah. be reusing manifest numbers. You can't be throwing away shipping invoices. You can't be letting people run around without. But man, social engineering is a bitch to try and protect. Like, against. like yeah. maybe, maybe the CIA, FBI, mm-hmm. uh, NSA, paramilitary contractors. But I'm telling you, hospitals, police departments, data centers, it's terrible. It's terrible because we haven't figured out a way to secure the human mind from peer pressure and the desire to cooperate and get along and not be hassled. Like, it's incredibly hard to toughen the target that is the human brain. Sure. And it's just... Like it's 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 uh, disgustingly easy. It's one thing that was always gave because I used to get and uh, have to do these um, you know credit card security audits, um, and it was a bitch. Like every single like it is always a, 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 a always a task to get to fifteen hundred hundred plus location uh, company that I work for to pass the phys- the like the penetration aspect of the test because it's just painfully easy to get in this case convenience store cashiers right to go along with anyone with that had a clipboard and pretended to have some authority mm-hmm. because boy they don't want to get hat you know <laughs> they don't want to cause this person trouble and get get smacked back so yeah uh i my favorite part of this probably is when he stops to tell the the guy to put lifting belts on his team <laughs> right <laughs> she doesn't that's not even a security thing right. he's the just rules like are rules yeah yeah that was awesome uh, so we go over to the funeral uh, for Chuck, and Jimmy is barraged by a never-ending stream of condolences and handshakes. Afterward, he and Kim find Howard waiting on their steps, and Howard believes Chuck's death was not an accident. He believes, actually, that he might have caused it. And Jimmy tells him it's his cross to bear, and he begins whistling and preparing coffee and feeding his fish like he doesn't have a care in the world. Wow. Um, I did not notice this, but someone more astute than I on Reddit pointed out that the music they played during Chuck's funeral was the piece he was practicing at the beginning of uh, the season two, episode two, mm-hmm. um, which we found out was written. It's a duet for uh, cello and piano, and his wife, I think, is a cellist. She's a uh, she's concert violinist. Concert yeah. violinist, that's right. And uh, that was something written by her, apparently. Right. So like, that was an extra little, if you're paying attention, unlike me. Uh, kind of a bit of a gut punch. I also really yeah. liked how they mixed in lawyers that we knew well, like Ed Begley Jr.'s very frustrated mm-hmm. partner of, of Jimmy last season, the kind of slime ball uh, guy that was representing the... Yeah. Well, it wasn't Mesa Verde. That's the bank. It was whatever the... No, the it was reti- the... Sundowners Retirement Complex or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the These guys that, like, you know, we, we kind of know and a bunch of people we don't, but... You know, it really got the idea that like Jimmy's just having to endure all these people, and he's so distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then, man, Jimmy. So someone pointed out that uh, this was a result of Jimmy taking Chuck's words to heart last year about like, you know what? I don't even mind that you're a shit human being. But why all of the I'm sorry and the histrionics and the like emotional upheaval? Just admit that you're a bad person that hurts and uses people and go on with your life. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it fits the scene. It really does feel like Jimmy got let off the hook. He's all too happy to let Howard take all of the blame. And that weight has physically been lifted from him. Yeah, I I think there are... So I spent a lot of time thinking about this scene in particular. Yeah. It didn't have much time, but... I used it focused here. Um, where I where I eventually come down on it is this scene is designed for us to be Kim in that final moment. That eyebrow raise at the end says it all. And that's what we are an audience as an audience are thinking, what the fuck? Yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. Uh it's meant to to tease more than anything. Mm. It's not meant to really understand yet. That's this is the exclamation that says this is what we're exploring through the rest of the season. Right. Um but I do think there are several possible things that could be going through Jimmy's head. Like you said, he could feel like this is his opportunity to to jettison Chuck guilt-free, right? Mm-hmm. He's dead. He doesn't have to take care of him anymore. Right. Chuck's not there to guilt him if he does things that are wrong. Right. Um, Howard's taking the blame for his death. He, th- these are all things that let Jimmy off the hook. Yeah. And maybe that's enough to just Jimmy changes, you yeah. know? I don't know. I don't see it as that simple, as that that black and white that easy for him and even if he because like even if he makes that in the snap like even he makes that as a snap emotional decision to like okay well i don't have to worry about it i'll let uh, you know like even if i don't think jimmy believes that he's completely blameless but if like he this howard situation obviously contributing factor he's not the only one to blame and hey how that's 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 amazing for him Mm -hmm. but whether you decide to act like that whether you can get away with that for long like you know in the long hours of the night when he is doing his job search when he is you know taking long drives to get to his commute or whatever or or commutes to get to his work like those are the things like is are these things going to come back to haunt him right because it's well it's all well and good to be like oh yeah i'm I'm just going to emotionally rinse my hand of this situation but can you actually do it yeah is it going to be a telltale heart situation? Is it going to be like Lady Macbeth, the blood on her hands? Like some of this stuff has a way of coming back to bite you in the end. Yeah, and I really think Jimmy here is grasping the first life raft that's thrown to him. Mm-hmm. In in the sense that there are a lot of fingers pointing at Jimmy as the cause for Chuck's death. Uh, the insurance bullshit that he did, right? Where he, he got Chuck's insurance raised by leaking the fact that he was sick. Um, oh, right. There's... Because, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so even if it's Howard's fault, it's actually the the initial thing was Jimmy... Are you... Right, but but Chuck is absolving him of that. Like, he, he's taking all the fingers that Jimmy has been pointing at himself, questioning, uh-huh. was this the thing? Was uh-huh. this the thing that caused it? Uh, and And Jimmy is... Or Chuck is giving him... Sorry. Howard yeah, yeah. is giving him the opportunity to say... This is the thing. This is the life raft that's being thrown to him so he can absolve himself of all this guilt. Right. Uh, and so he's grasping that hmm. desperately. I don't think he'll be able to hang on to it. Yeah. I think it's going to come back uh, perhaps worse than it would have been if he had just sat down and said, yes, I have a hand in this. Is there a dark, the even a darker uh, implication here that maybe Jimmy 
is somehow satisfied that his machination to bring down Chuck caused him to kill himself. <laughs> Jesus, maybe. Like, like once he realized how the whole thing went, because like the thing, like the realization that Chuck was only too happy to break him legally. Yeah. Like you know, take everything and then tell him so that he never away. cared for him, and that yeah, yeah, pull that 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 whole like anything as brutal as we've seen Adora <laughs> do on sharp sharp objects. Right. Well, that might be stretching a little bit. But still, like, you know, like, I never, I'm your brother and I never loved you mm-hmm. is a shitty thing to, to hear. A uh, shitty thing to say. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, I do think there are some going concerns now, uh, other than how is Jimmy going to handle The metaphorical this? embers blowing over uh, Jimmy and Kim's life. Uh, as long as they don't hit that stack of, <laughs> I don't know, $8,000 bills that, right. that Chuck must be sitting on. Sure. Eight, more than that. More than that, eighty thousand hundred dollar bills, because uh, he's got this eight million dollar check from Howard that just went to his account. Where does Chuck's money go? Does I, Chuck's money go to Jimmy? That's one of the yeah. That's one of the things I was. Does it go to Rebecca? What What does his estate look like? Yeah. Uh, did he have time to cut Jimmy out of his will? Was Jimmy ever in his will? Uh, is there going to be some battle over it? Because I could see a situation where Howard gets the money, yeah, because it was part of you know his his estate and right and the company and all that. Sure. It's, it's, probably legally entangled howard could get that money and then jimmy could do something nefarious to take it from him yeah yeah or vice versa howard could try to like you know weasel out of the settlement because you know how many people knew about it where was the paperwork like is there you know is there going to be some crossing of legal lines in that department just to kind of because now they don't have his name Mm. there's already some kind of like controversy swirling around the firm now it says hamlin and his empty suit Right. Like, I don't know that HH&M is going to have a really rosy next 10 years. And, you know, Howard might start realizing that, like, hey, we got to keep a hold of this cash. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't know, like, legally. And did he even did he even cash that check? I feel like when he got the check, he was pissed off and didn't want anything to do I, with it. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Can't, I can't quite remember. Because, yeah, if, like, he didn't cash a check and... Yeah, it's nothing and, official. And the you know settlement got burnt up in the house, and the only other copy of this confidential agreement is the HH and M. Well, what if that just like walks out the door and yeah. gets set on fire? I mean, I know there's document retention systems to specifically to keep this from happening, but you know, I don't know if Billigan knows that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm just thinking like Jimmy. Also, I don't know if those were implemented in 2007 or when this was taken because that was like yeah. about wherever that was all the rage like you know digitizing your documents and controlling Mm -hmm. them and all that yeah how much control does howard have over that stuff Mm -hmm. as essentially the sole proprietor now right uh i don't know i think it would be interesting if jimmy got the money and had to start laundering it and that's kind of what reconnected him with Mm -hmm. mike and nacho and Mm -hmm. gus because we know that he has a a I don't know if intimate is the right word, but a closer relationship with Mike in Breaking Bad than he does right now. Sure. So there's going to be more shenanigans with them. Uh, but that's the end of the episode. Yep. Uh, before we get to feedback, uh, some real ball buster came by the studio today. Last name, Mantrout yeah. something. Had a real weird head. Miguel Mantrout. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he had this like weird bruised peach of a head. And he's just ranting and raving about auditing our club memberships. And it turns out that you, yes, you are not a member. And we can tell because if you're a member, you'd be taking advantage of our ad-free feeds and you wouldn't be listening to us harangue you about, look, look <laughs> rules are rules. Uh, you got to wear lift belts. 
you, you can't you, you can't reuse manifests and and if you if you want if you want bald move to continue covering the shows you love you got you got to support us with the club and it's it's not honestly it's not the support i just don't want that guy to come back now right yeah i don't want to see him wouldn't again. shut up about muhammad ali it's just <laughs> it was a very uncomfortable experience he, the, 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 he's got that dead mackerel yeah. gaze that he fixed to you i just want the problem to go away you can help us out by going to club.baldmove.com not only do you get the ad-free feeds, not only do you get the audio or video versions of most of our podcasts and a bunch of other bonus content and VIP forums, you get you get this this man trout off of our back. <laughs> uh, please help us out, club.baldmove.com. Uh, I have feedback. All right, let's do that. If you would like to send feedback, you can do so at bettercastsaul at baldmove.com, and you can also join our weekly discussion on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. There's always an episode thread in the Better call or the better cast all sub forum uh first up stephanie r in listening to your preview there was some discussion about how saul can show up in new mexico when he is this figure that has been all over the place on television with his brother dying in a fire etc it got me to thinking what do we really know about what was happening in saul's life during breaking bad we saw saul when he was doing lawyer stuff with walt jesse etc did we ever see saul at home did we ever really see much of the other stuff going on in his office couldn't there be some overlap between the things we see in Better Call Saul and the timeline of Breaking Bad that just wasn't shown because it wasn't relevant to the story? I don't think yet, but these next two seasons do open up the possibility that those stories might start to overlap. Mm-hmm. Because even in his when he was in Thick with Walt and Jesse, he still had a lobby full of dudes in neck braces yeah. and slings, and there was he he was cranking through a lot of low level, you know legal legal stuff drunk driving stuff personal injury stuff ambulance chasing stuff so mm-hmm. certainly he wasn't his only client uh stephanie says i got to thinking about this because i'm a lawyer as well this show and lawyers man i think 97 percent of, of all feedback is from lawyers on the show uh and there is an issue a lot of lawyers have or clients think they're the only client you have and expect immediate response to problems even though like any other job your tasks need to be managed that's a client thing Mm-hmm. Not a legal thing, because yeah, as a clients, programmer, yeah. as a web developer, as uh, yeah, they just they paid you money, and you're the most you should be the most important thing to them, mm-hmm. uh, or they should be the most important thing to you rather. Uh, similarly, we have fallen into the trap that Walt and Jesse were. Or have we fallen into this trap where Walt and Jesse we assume are Saul's only clients? Uh, my point is, other stuff is going on in his life, and couldn't there be some sort of fallout going on even while he's doing his work for Walt and Jesse? Uh, wouldn't more importantly, wouldn't it be interesting to see that story play out? But from Jimmy Saul's perspective, while Walt and Jesse are doing their thing, totally, I would be very happy if the last season of this you saw like Walt and Jesse in the waiting room, but you never actually got into that because we've seen that. You just see how much more stress this crazy ass, cancer stricken high school st- chemistry teacher is inflicting on quote unquote po- poor Saul. I, I want to see the aftermath when. Walt breaks the window, the the door. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to see how Saul reacts to that. <laughs> um, for sure, that would be funny. Um, or just like his perspective of getting drug out into the desert. Uh huh. You know, like the morning after of that happens. But <laughs> it's not his first rodeo. We saw in the first pilot yeah. episode that Tuco that like like, and he's way scarier than Walt and Jesse in a ski mask. Yeah. So. Uh, Matthew C. Uh, I want to talk about guilt. Uh, Ch- uh, Jimmy's guilt and shame over Chuck's death. Even before Hamlin reveals that Chuck was pushed over the edge via the insurance fuckover, Jimmy must feel at least slightly responsible for his brother's death. Death. 
this is just normal human emotional operations post-tragedy. You question who's responsible, if it could have been prevented, and crucially, if you could have done something differently. And Jimmy, yes, all throughout his relationship with Chuck, could certainly have done things better. So the first feeling Jimmy has is the natural and even more acute, considering their contentious relationship, sense of responsibility, self-loathing, and guilt. The second feeling tearing at Jimmy in these quiet moments, and that which ultimately wins the day when Hamlin reveals the insurance fuckover, is more or less spite. Jimmy and Chuck have been in a grudge match for what appears to be their entirety of their lives, and the insurance salvo from Jimmy was countered with a suicide. Perhaps much like Bruce Lee might counter Ali's jab yeah. with a leg sweep. That's what I was thinking. The, the very strong Chuck, right, is the Ali yeah. in this situation. Yeah, the very yeah. slippery guy would be Bruce Lee, therefore Jimmy. Uh, regard. Look, look at Jimmy's fist, though. It's just a little McGill fist. How could he possibly yeah. punch Chuck in the face? Sweep, uh, sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Regard- sweep the leg, Jimmy. <laughs> Regardless, Jimmy hears that his last jab hit Chuck where it hurts, and he won't let the counter take him down. Fuck Chuck, killing himself as revenge, being a baby, trying to make everything uh, everyone feel bad for him, etc. Jimmy won't have it, and he's happy to take out the Chuck-induced hanger, anger on Hamlin. Hamlin anger is hanger. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking, like, I don't, I was like, I know suicide's a, t- a touchy sub- subject, and certainly for the people that are, are living with suicidal ideation, you want them to get help, but I've had suicide touch my life, and there's always just a little bit of anger there, like, you know, fuck that person for doing this to us, you know, hmm. because now they're done with their problems, ours have just begun, like, there is, like, and then there's also the follow-on shame for feeling that way about it, um... I think that it would be real easy for Jimmy in the moment of his life in which Chuck chose to do this to wrap himself in a Mylar blanket of hashtag fuck Chuck mm-hmm. and let Hamlin take all this emotional or at least try. I don't think it'll be successful transference, but it'll be um, a per- perhaps successful appearing attempt for a few episodes. Now, this is why that final scene is so good, because we don't really know. There's so, there, there's so many possibilities here yeah. of what's going on in Jimmy's head, and that's what we're going to be exploring. So much of this plot is not taking place, like, right on... I mean, it's taking place right on the camera, but they're not being explicit. Like, what yeah. is Jimmy thinking when he's whistling? What is Mike... Why is Mike doing this magical electromotive? What does Gus think about Nacho and this These situation? These are all season premiere questions, right. you know, that we are going to They're not to even being raised. To. It's just... Yeah. As you observe it, they're the things that pop in your head, uh, right. which is a really um, confident style of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reginald. Jimmy is very clearly uh, an, uh, being honest throughout this whole episode. He is panicking when he first hears about the accident and rushes to Chuck's house. He's crushed when he realizes his brother is dead. He is cynical when Kim tells him the firefighter said Chuck didn't suffer. He's nauseous when hearing of Chuck's many accomplishments listed in his obit. He is gracious to the well-wishers at the funeral, but most of all, he's relieved when he finds a sucker, Howard, to take away all of his negative feelings of guilt, remorse, etc. Also, he will be honestly heartbroken when Kim leaves him. He's not faking in any of these circumstances. However, Jimmy is a parasite, and he needs to feed off of others. He has no way of coping with the sadness of losing his brother, not drinking, not talking with Kim, other than letting Howard take the blame and twisting the knife uh, in uh, Howard's chest. Jimmy didn't have to confess what he did in order to throw Howard a lifeline by saying something like, hey man, don't beat yourself up over it. Who knows what's in another guy's head? Nope, it's, well, that's your cross to bear. Those of us watching have got to come to grips with the fact that part of Jimmy slash Saul, and maybe even Gene, enjoys the power of inflicting pain on others. I'm not mad at Jimmy for being so cold, slimy, and childish because I finally accepted him for what he really is. <laughs> Harsh. 
but fair. No, I mean, look at look at the scene in Breaking Bad where Saul helps Jesse get his parents' house, right? Right. Where he goes in and he strong arms the these two parents into selling their house for far less than it's worth. Mm-hmm. He's taking pleasure in that. He's enjoying every second of it. Saul advocates Walt and Jesse murder their close associates to uh-huh. keep the crime from being pinned on them. At some point, he figures out exactly who he is. Yes. And he rolls with it. Yeah. He yeah. leans into it. So this, I mean, and this, it seems almost trite to say that this is an inflection point for Saul. Sure. For Jimmy as a human being. Mm-hmm. Uh but I, I guess, like, it bears pointing out that this could be the very thing that we've been asking all along. What's the thing that's going to finally set Jimmy off, turn him into Saul? This is probably it. Right. Uh, Maria from New York. The cabbie in the first episode looked a lot like an old Howard. What do you think about that? Do you agree or was it some <laughs> random cabbie? Howard. I don't. Howard's let himself go to shit. Sure, sure. I don't buy for a second that Howard would maybe, would allow maybe that to happen knit, to Howard Hamlin. N- maybe the knit ties were the only thing keeping his youth in check. Like as soon as he switched to the the uh-huh. fucking silk shit, it just went to hell. It went to hell in a handbasket. Right. I I don't know if I agree. About I don't think that. this is anybody. I don't think yeah. this is Jesse. I don't think this is Howard. Like, so many people are speculating on who this is. It's just some It's dude. just some cabbie driver from yeah. Albuquerque who might recognize Saul. I hope this cab driver doesn't be turned into fucking Snoke from, you know, the the Last Jedi or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's thinking, oh, maybe it's fucking Mace Windu. Maybe it's this, right. maybe it's that. Like, I mean, it's already started. <sighs> I think it's Mace Windu. <laughs> Uh, that lightning just really did a number on him. Bleach the skin right out. Uh-huh. Uh, Brett, just listening to your instant take on Snoke. No, I'm sorry, Smoke. And I had a slightly different take on Jimmy's reaction to Howard's confession. Jimmy definitely had a light bulb go off when Howard mentioned the malpractice insurance. Isn't that Jimmy realizing he set in the motion when he sold, told the insurance agent about his own brother last season? So I, I, I think we ended up covering this, Brett, but uh, appreciate your your feedback and bring that to our attention. Uh, Eric J. In the scene where Mike is rummaging through the garbage while he evaluates the security at Madrigal, there's a shot that clearly looks like a noose lined up with Mike. I have no idea what it's to symbolize, but the hanging rope looks so clearly like a noose and not like some wire or other kinds of set decorations you'd see for a warehouse. What do you guys think? We have both taken a look at this image. This is essentially right after Mike stands up from tossing the dumpster. And in the background, you almost have to lighten the background to see it, but there is what's very clearly a noose hanging over Mike's left, his left shoulder, stage right. Here's the thing. Normally, we would be speculating, oh, does this mean he's going to die in the next episode? Right. Well, we fucking know when Mike dies, and it's not because of a noose. Right. It's not because of anything even remotely like that. Mm-hmm. So what could what could this possibly be other than just a production thing? Like, I mean, it's back there. They it's in the shot. Whatever. It's, I do think that this this is like the Villa Gang to put something like that as a death motif to show that as Mike gets closer to this organization, <laughs> he's getting closer to this ultimate fate. This is the inflection point for Mike where he sealed his own fate. <laughs> the inflection point for Bald Move is when we started throwing around terms like fucking inflection point. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I yeah I mean again. Um, I think, right, that, 
like a, the Breaking Bad does a lot of stuff with the knowledge of like you know they do stuff by accident like you know people went through Gail's apartment and like oh my god look at this there's a statue there's there's some stone statuary with half its face a different color and some of it's by accident some of it is knowing where they're going so they put stuff in like death motifs around Mike I why not why not. But again, I mean, the difference here being that we're not foretelling the future by speculate. saying bad yeah. things are going to happen to Mike because we've seen them happen. Right. I mean, there are I, every time I mention that this is no one does this. People always come forward and say they do. I know for factors people watching Better Call Saul that have never seen Breaking Bad. So mm-hmm. surprise, surprise might be surprised at them. Maybe the uh, Villigan and, and Gould are uh, making this. So like when people in the future watch these shows as like a set that this is like some kind of a like, cool thing. But. You know, it's just it's it's uh, could be a thing, could not be a thing. I'm pretty agnostic on this stuff at this point, um, but it is a cool detail to note. Uh, Paul D from South Jersey. I really do like the Gene storyline and hope that they expand on it this year. I thought it'd be neat to bring some of what's going on with the White family to the story. Maybe Gene happens to be looking at the TV and sees an announcement that Walt Juniors received a huge sum of money. Would that be cool? I think it would be cool for Gene to somehow keep tabs on what's going on in Albuquerque and for us to get a little, a few answers about, you know, like maybe we'll get some hints to the fate of Jesse. Maybe we'll get some hints that Skylar and the kids are doing all right. Is there a, you know, baby Holly foundation set up by the Schwartzes? I could, I could see like a newspaper clipping or something like that. Yeah, maybe something small. I don't want this to, turn into a second finale for Breaking Bad, right? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want this show to ultimately be about Breaking Bad. Fan service is a dangerous thing because it's 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 like cane sugar or high fructose corn sugar like syrup. It's it's addictive. It's cheap. It's easy to inject everywhere, but ultimately it's hollow mm. and just makes it flabby and fat. So I think the show, when it first came out, was a little bit too heavy on the fan service, and now they've hit their stride. They got to be careful that they don't go back to that dark side again. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, in in the appropriate amount of doses, it would be cool to see Walton. It'd be cool in in the in the Jimmy's timeline to see Walton Jesse kind of prowling around in the back. Um. It would be cool to see some Skyler and Walt Junior Holly stuff in the Gene timeline if it's done in moderation and not forced. Uh, Ray uh, sent us a fairly long, a wide-ranging discussion, uh, email discussion, but generally exploring her idea that everyone on the show is a con man of sorts. Uh, she did hmm. not accept Kim from that. Uh, she talked about Jimmy, Chuck. I think that's easy to see. She indicted the whole legal system. Um, and her opinion, the, uh, the most sincere person on the show is Howard Hamlin. Um, yeah, I kind of think I agree with that. So let's see. Her point of Jimmy. Jimmy is a con man. You don't have to right. explain. It's on the face. Chuck was, as we previously discussed, running a con that he was healthier than he was just so he could exact revenge on the people that had wronged him or protect society from Jimmy. Right. Or unscrupulous law institutions like the one he founded. Mm-hmm. Kim. Yeah. Her point with Kim is that she's trying to be a bigger, more successful lawyer than she really is. Um, Which I think in some ways is true. I mean, she presents to to Mesa Verde and to the oil company that she can handle all this work. No problem. She'll do it. And then she can't. Right. You know, that's a lie. That's a lie. She can't handle it all by herself. So 
in some ways, yes, but in other ways, I think Kim all Kim has a lot of the qualities that she professes to have. Yeah, that attention to detail, that stick to itness, that. And I, I think it took. I don't think Kim. See, to me, Khan involves knowing. Like, Kim would knowingly know that she would let these people down. Sure, I don't think yeah. Kim has ever run up at her limits. She's been working 80, 90-hour works forever, work weeks forever, and it's never caused her any problems. Now she micro-sleeped her way into a car crash, and mm-hmm. literally her body and brain just said no more. Yeah. So, to me, that's like like Neil Armstrong saying, I'm going to be the first man that lands on the moon and his spaceship blows up. Like he didn't, yeah. con, he, I, I know Neil actually didn't do that, but he, right. if it had, he's like, he didn't con the American people, right? Sure. No. A he, better he example, was simply Jim wrong. Lovell, when he says, I'm going to go and, and, and land on the moon and, and, uh, yeah. you'll, you'll, your father will be a guy to walk on the moon. He didn't, he didn't con his kid and wife when he said that he was just mistaken. Yeah. Um, now Howard, Howard's interesting because like, as she pointed out, Howard, they, there's hints that he his life has not gone how he wanted. Like that, mm. you know, when Jimmy was hanging out his own shingle and starting his shop, that you know he kind of admired that. It's like that's kind of I wanted to do, but you know, I had this big firm and my dad insisted and blah blah blah. Like he had these entanglements, um, and now like like the few times that he was kind of dissembling on the show, you find out it was because Chuck put him up to it. Yeah, he was protecting Chuck. It's going to be interesting to see the real Hamlin. And mm-hmm. I think I've taken kind of a shine to Howard, the unwashed asshole, yeah. in the last few seasons because I see how he's been kind of a prisoner of his fate. And like the earlier turns, like it takes a lot of courage to go to this guy's brother and confess that you think you're complicit in his suicide. Uh-huh. I mean, that's a lot of that's that's a lot of uh, opening yourself up. It's a lot of vulnerability. It's a lot of, of you know, emotional courage. Uh, those things I admire in people. Uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if if Howard has some sort of dark side moment, absent like direct fuckery from from Chuck or Jimmy. Yeah. What do you think? You think he will? I mean, we're talking about him I, and trying to embezzle so. his partner's money back and doing contract fraud and or, or just doing what he rightfully has what he has a legal right to do. Right? If the yeah. check was never cashed, the paperwork was never signed. Then it's not legally a thing. So maybe he doesn't have to dissemble and lie and yeah. cheat his way to that money. Maybe it's rightfully his by law. There's what's moral, there's what's ethical, and there's what's legal, and they're not exactly overlapping sets. That's true. And I, and I don't know how I feel about things that are legal but maybe not ethical. Um, maybe that's why I'm not a great businessman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I think how I really think Howard and Kim are going to have to team up tag team jimmy to figure out what the hell is wrong with him and i don't even think they're going to be successful i think honestly jimmy is going to prevail uh and just become saul and drive them both away and that'll be his life uh yeah what's the so i i understand why kim would try to figure why why would howard why would howard give a shit about figuring jimmy out because you said they have to team up i kind of agree but i don't know what the motivation is from from howard's angle like if, uh, like if, yeah, if like if, if Kim comes, like th- th- three episodes from now, Kim goes to Howard for a favor and says, "I'm worried about Jimmy." Why doesn't right. Howard be like, "Well, that's your cross to bear." Mm-hmm. Out of my office, he you've might stolen yeah. my clients. You've blah blah. You blah blah blah. You you let your boyfriend f- piss in my open mouth when I was on my knees begging for forgiveness. Uh, I I don't mm-hmm. know. Like I I get it, I agree, but I don't I don't see it's what on, brings them together. Extra scene on the DVD, <laughs> right? 
That's the new squat cobbler. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's the it's the it's the humble uh, humbled Howard. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's getting peed into your open mouth while you're begging for forgiveness yeah. by, by emotional absolution. Uh, finally, Sherry L. Do you have any idea if the official Better Call Saul podcast will continue? I don't normally cheat on Bald Move, but their insights from that show were entertaining. Oh no, I I cheat on Bald we're, Move. I you, you're to in that an open week. relationship. Mm-hmm. I we uh, we we get it. You know, we can't we can't give you everything that Vince and Peter we and can. Jonathan Banks, but and neither can Odin they. Kirk. So, yeah. So you know, you, yeah. you you come to us for the cuddles and for the hardcore dicking. I guess you go to. The Kelly Dixon, except except why here's, is there so let's here's like, the controversy we should, for the people that are not on the inside. What why is there this this concern about the better the official Better Call Saul podcast uh, no longer happening? So the Better Call Saul Insider podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which is what it's called, if you want to check it out, and I suggest you do because it's good, uh, was run by Kelly Dixon. She was kind of the impetus for that whole thing. Who was getting the every, chief, like the senior editor, the editor, yeah, of, of, of Breaking Bad and also. Right. Here at Better Call Saul, right. does great work. Uh, she left the show this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, after season three, she's and gone. This is kind of her passion project. Like back in Breaking Bad, like she yeah. did like one of the very first official podcasts for a show. She yeah. was very like you know Skunk Works type of project with and like that audio Started quality. We did. Audio quality slowly began to improve. <laughs> right, like, the, the crosstalk slowly cross, got better. Yep, it's a little bit more focused. Uh, but yeah, she she left the show, so she kind of was in. She was in the process of training her protege, Skip McDonald, who's now mm-hmm. the full-time editor mm-hmm. on Better Cast Saul, or Better Call Saul, rather. Uh, and he was supposed to be taking over the podcast, mm-hmm. I think. This is what I remember from listening to the finale episode a year and a half ago. Um, I think he was supposed to take over the podcast. Yeah. So assuming Skip can both full-time edit a, pod- edit a TV show and make a podcast mm-hmm. it will be coming back i think now we'll say that like it hasn't updated yet not yet um and that usually was updated by the day after the day after sometimes it was like real close to when we released our podcast so yeah. maybe a day or two yeah so, uh, especially with the new runner of the podcast yeah i mean i'll give them a you know like you said there's someone learning the ropes um if they're going to continue it i'd give them you know a little bit of extra time but yeah. maybe things are looking bad if it's not dropping next week yeah um, and that'd be a shame because, like, I know a lot of people complained about how rambly they could get and how, like, you self-congratulatory know, self-congratulatory. And, and I don't know about self-congratulatory because I also was about well, Vince and Peter well, trying to give everybody else credit. But that's what I mean, like the show, like right. the group of people who make the right. show. They were always patting each other on the back, and right. it's like uh, that. You know, that the mouse's good, shadow but... was the second grip with the key light, and he really got that thing. Yeah, I mean, like. That probably endears him to the production staff yes. and crew, and that's it, it, it speaks well of what kind of uh, showrunner he is, but not necessarily the most compelling stuff. But when it's they not. would get really deep about how yeah. like they'd use these new lenses and how much light they could capture and the mm-hmm. uh, you know, like the onset, like, you know, what temperature it was and Jonathan Banks was freezing his balls off and you know, got his face sandblasted before this scene. <laughs> Do you know that, like, we talk about that in Insta Podcast. Like, that's the only scene where that was yeah. a problem. The rest of them, he actually had, I, was it bad lighting? Did he just literally blow off the makeup lady that day? Or makeup gentleman? I don't I know. Be... There were two outdoor scenes. One one with him in the backyard with Kaylee. Right. And I didn't notice it in that I, scene. No, yeah, so... he looked like uh, he'd had some foundation laid or maybe yeah. his, uh, his third degree sunburns. He just wasn't used to Albuquerque. Yeah, where's where's he live in the office? He's gotta live in LA, right? Probably. Jonathan Banks, he's gotta be prowling around LA. I assume so. Giving free audits to 
Rodeo Drive establishments. LA. Not known for not having sun. <laughs> right. That's definitely true. That's definitely so, true. So I don't know what's happening with his head, but he's he's still doing his thing. Still doing his thing. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully he can recover from, I don't know, getting his head sanded uh, and, and we'll be fine. It's like, you know, the other thing is like he had that cough of doom that mm-hmm. like just I guess he had a cold and yeah. they decided not to edit around it. Like maybe like sometimes like does Jonathan Banks come to, sometimes come in and he's like slightly on fire he's like there's smoke coming off of him right. like you know like uh, he he's got piranha bites on him and the people just don't ask questions it's just yeah. JB get him in his chair get him in costume get him on the set so he can do his thing <laughs> you can find him on the weekends uh, on a pier in Long Beach just blowing fire <laughs> he's he's a fire swallower <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fire blower. Yeah. Sometimes it goes wrong. Yeah, it can. It can. Sometimes <laughs> it's, he's not actually bald. No. It's just it's he, his job keeps he's, him bald. he's engulfed in flames 50% of the time. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for everybody sending in feedback. Uh, reminder on Monday nights, right after the show airs at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard, we do do a instant talk podcast. If you are on the Eastern. Uh, time zone, or if you've got a way to watch it through satellite or whatnot, please feel free to join up. If you're a club member, uh, go to the article on baldmove.com. There'll be a live uh, instant talk article. Click through that. You can watch the video. There'll also be a link to participate in the chat. Mm-hmm. And after we say our piece for 15, 20 minutes, we will then turn and answer your guys' questions and consider your comments. It's a nice way to get some early feedback and just kind of extend that nice little afterglow you get from watching your favorite television show. Uh, for club members. And if you're not a club member, you can join at club.baldmove.com. Feedback goes to bettercastsaw at baldmove.com or forums.baldmove.com if you would like to talk with your fellow friends. We'll be back next week for the next episode. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.